Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. A lot of stuff that I want to get into on the podcast today. I'm going to be getting into previewing the month of December, the final month of 2022 that has a mix of some big blockbusters, specifically one that is probably going to do very well in this month and in leading into 2023 and also some really good Oscar hopefuls and maybe some some underdogs that might kind of surprise a lot of people to end 2022. I'm also want to be getting into the potential changes that are happening over that HBO Max, potential title change, and what that can mean for the streaming service for the future. But the first thing that I do want to talk about is actually specifically that big film that is going to be coming out this month. And that, of course, is Avatar The Way of Water. And this is arguably one of the most anticipated films of this year. It's kind of the, the big blockbuster to end all blockbusters this year. This is taking over the Star Wars slot, the kind of what Aquaman took over in December of 2018 in spite of what, what Spider-Man No Way Home did last year. It's that last big hurrah before the year ends out. And this is one that has been a long time in the making, directed by James Cameron, the king of the box office, held two of the highest grossing films of all time in Titanic and what is still the highest grossing film of all time in the first Avatar film. And this has been 13 plus years in the making it was even in it was at one studio at one point with 20 when it was still fox and then of course when the acquisition with disney happened they transitioned over there there's this, the big audacious aspirations not doing just one or two or three but about four sequels for these movies leading up to potentially avatar 5 but even james cameron has expressed that he has ideas for an avatar 6 or 7 if you even if he's able to even get to that range but Right now, it's all about Avatar 2, The Way of Water. And yesterday was the premiere for this film and it's been jumping release dates for years and years and years. I've always said on the podcast that I remember I was still in high school, middle school, when this film was supposed to come out 2015, 2019, and it's officially coming out on December 16, 2022. The trailers have looked amazing. We don't really know kind of the, the story other than the fact that it takes place kind of around the same time that it's been since us as an audience has seen the first film, which is a little bit more over a decade. Jake and Ateria have a family at this point, and that's what the film is going to follow, this this big family that is going on these journeys in Pandora. We have returning members, new members, new actors returning in different aspects for the characters that they played in the first film. So it, it's really interesting to see how this is all going to play out. The visuals have looked amazing. As you probably can surmise with the title, there's going to be a lot of water in this film and if you know James Cameron in his in his filmography and who he is as a person and his, and what he loves to do when he's not directing he is a big proponent of the environment but specifically aquatic life he goes underwater in submarines and and he he loves kind of seeing the undersea world so he was able to really kind of bring that to life it seems like with this film when you see kind of the visuals that the marketing has really showcased it looks just breathtaking so what how what is this film going to do? And there's this all this kind of all these questions and can James Cameron strike lightning in a bottle again with this? And not saying that this is going to be the highest grossing film of all time and take over that 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 first film, but can it still make a whole lot of money? Can it be this big blockbuster that everyone thinks it's going to be? Can it even match the 
the the kind of technological advancements that the first film made when it comes to motion capture and CGI and 3D. It really kind of pushed the technological evolution of filmmaking in 2009. So can Cameron do that again? And so, like I said before, yesterday was the world premiere for the film in London on the blue carpet. And yesterday became finally the first reactions for the film. I was wondering if, because it was reported last week that Cameron was kind of putting the final touches on the film. Last week also, once the picture was locked, the cast finally saw it for the very first time. So yesterday, rather, was the first time that a lot of people, critics, other audience members, people within the industry were finally able to see the film. And again, all these questions were kind of, I think, on people's minds. You try to go in and just have a clear idea of what the film's going to be and just let it kind of wash over you. But still, all these questions kind of come into play. And overall, it seems like, once again, The King has delivered another epic film. As the reviews, at least the early reactions, as the full-on reviews, it seems like the embargo is still under for at least next week when the film is set to come out. But the social reactions did come out yesterday. And across the board, they are pretty much raving about this movie and that James Cameron once again delivers on yet another film. And the first couple reactions that I'm going to get into, the first one, of course, comes from our good friend over at Fandango and Rotten Tomatoes, Eric Davis, who had this to say about the film. Happy to say Avatar The Way of Water is phenomenal, bigger, better, and more emotional than Avatar. The film is visually breathtaking, visceral, and incredibly engrossing. The story, spectacle, and spirituality, the beauty, this is movie making and storytelling at its absolute finest. This is James Cameron learning right, leaning right into that Cameron playbook. There are Titanic vibes, True Lie vibes, Abyss vibes, Terminator two vibes it is cameron in top form matching tremendous visuals with a very entertaining and emotional story that leaves you wanting more loved i felt similar after avatar the way of water that i did after top gun maverick and that it reminds you why we love movies and why we anticipate big spectacle on the big screen when it lands on all levels there's nothing sweeter this one entertains big time truly a memorable ride then moving on down to josh harwards who had to say james cameron once again showed showcases why how it is done i've said it a thousand times never doubt him avatar the way of water is how you do epic blockbustering emotional visceral and as big as the movie gets then moving on over to perry nemiroff over from collider who said this about the way of water Avatar The Way of Water is pretty incredible. I had faith James Cameron would raise the bar with the effects, but these visuals are mind-blowing. One stunning frame after the next, but the thing I dug most is how technical, how the technical feats always feel in service of character and world-building. As for the story, it's a lot of movie, and I'm eager for a second viewing to revisit some details, but on first watch, it's a mighty effective exploration of community and family dynamics where turning cast is great, but the newcomers are major standouts, particularly Britain Dalton as Loak. And she also had this to say, and yes, this makes me want to see more Avatar movies. I would also like a whole lot more Cliff Curtis's Tomare in those movies, please. And then moving on down the list again to Nikki Novak, also from Fandango, who says, I saw you, Avatar The Way of Water. If you think you've seen Avatar, think again. Only repeat from the OG is that never experience anything like it all. Better than first, easily. The 3D water world and creatures are so surreal that it is downright 
moving. There are major Titanic moments. And then moving down the list to Brandon Davis, who says, Avatar The Way of Water is a never-ending visual spectacle. It's a better, more complex story than the first with solid emotion, but the characters can could grow a bit more. It's definitely long, running time on, on incredible visuals and techniques, which are 3D's best. So pretty much across the board, it seems like, once again, James Cameron delivers on the visuals, the spectacle. And of course, with this one, the big kind of... It seems like all moments, the big technological challenges were filming these kind of things underwater. And you've heard, if you've read some of the, the interviews from the cast and the crew and from Cameron himself, They've said that they really had to learn to deep dive and, and submerge themselves in 30 feet of water and hold their breaths for a long extended periods of time. There's that article and quote from, from Kate Winslet who's in this film who said that she holds the record at least on the cast. And I don't know if it's a world record of holding her breath for seven minutes underwater, which is remarkable. I'm lucky if I can hold my water my breath underwater for maybe two, maybe a minute, minute and a half at, at most that long, maybe two minutes if I'm lucky but the way that these actors had to do the things that they had to do is remarkable when you hear some of these stories but again if anything if all these reactions it's again the visuals are great it's it's breathtaking it's revolutionary and it's filmmaking the one thing that surprises me a, a little bit is with the first avatar film one of the main criticisms and i don't really have this kind of criticism but others do is that the the storytelling aspects people feel like it is a rehash of say something like dance with the wolves or pocahontas and it's really interesting to hear that one of the things that people really were surprised by with this film weren't just the visuals, but the story and the characters. And that it seems like Cameron, who is, if anyone's the master, not just visuals, but making long movies and making people enjoy long movies, Cameron can do that. And it seems like he does it with this film where it's about the exploration of characters and the story and the dynamics. And I think that's one thing that's interesting is in this and one of the challenges that a lot of people seem to have was could Avatar continue and build itself out in this world or was it just kind of a one contained story and it seems like Cameron has been able to expand this world out in so many different ways and so I'm really really excited to see how that all kind of comes together now some of the big questions that kind of come after these reactions the first one which again I haven't seen it yet and I can't make a judgment but from what it sounds like there's going to be some Oscar buzz with this film and I had Avatar The Way of Water sight unseen in my top 10 for best picture. And so it sounds like maybe it could very well be the case that Avatar becomes a solidified best picture nominee. Maybe James Cameron becomes a solidified best director contender. The film seems like if there were any competitions in VFX, it seems like this, if there is any kind of lock, it seems like this could be the runaway lock for best visual effects for the Oscars this year, which would be no surprise whatsoever. Maybe, I don't. again, I haven't seen the film yet, screenplay, a lot of these other things I'm not really sure but very much I think Avatar The Way of Water is in the conversation once again legitimately for Oscar competition this year and, and it really came close in 2009 it really came down between The Hurt Locker and Avatar for that best picture win basically and so it's going to be very interesting to see all these years later with the new academy membership with a bigger academy more diversity and and inclusion and and different varieties of, of people, especially younger, older, how that all could come into play with Avatar The Way of Water all these years later. So I'm going to be very curious 
to see how the buzz builds out for this movie and if it'll be able to sustain that for the next couple of months as well for nominations and also potential wins come the March of 2023. And then, of course, the other big thing is financially. How is this film going to do? And you've heard Cameron say that in order to be an accomplished film to to make profitability, this is going to be need to be one of the highest grossing films of all time, period. Stop. And so the the question comes into into effect. And I've said this the last couple of of weeks and last couple of months is what is a successful run for Avatar The Way of Water? Does it need to make a billion, a billion and a half to even consider to be profitable because this is a film without marketing that reportedly had around a 350 to $400 million budget, which would go down as one of the highest budgeted films of all time. So how what would be profitability? And is it better for a film like this to open up bigger where it makes a kind of Star Wars or Aqua, or rather just a Star Wars splash where it makes between 170, 180 million dollars or is it better to do what the first Avatar did where when people think about that film, it was such a unique situation because it didn't have a big opening. It was one of the films that had a true word of mouth moment and build itself on its feet where it just kept churning and churning and churning at the box office. And I remember seeing the box office charts and I never seen anything like it in my early days at that time covering entertainment box office all that stuff of seeing a film like that sustain itself for weeks on end. I didn't know when Avatar was going to be knocked off. And I remember that kind of being the big question, what film is going to knock Avatar at the number one spot? And I forget what the film was, but it finally happened. But it was a month, month and a half after it was initially released in December of 2009. And so the big question comes into play. Is it a good sign that the film opens big and maybe has some good legs, but not the same kind of legs that the first film had? Or maybe is it better that this is another word of mouth situation where people might be a little reserved, but you get the fans that want to go see it first, but people build on it and build on it. And this is really going to be the only big film until... Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in, in, in February. So this is going to have a long runway throughout the first month of 2023 all to itself. It's going to have all those premium formats, IMAX, 3D, Dolby, all to itself. So are people going to want to go back and see this film over and over and over again, even at its three plus hour mark? That's gonna It's going to be very interesting to see. And another big proponent for its box office that not a lot of other films have had this year is the China box office and Avatar was able to get a China release date and so that market especially for Avatar is still huge it was the reason that Avatar a year ago was able to reclaim the top spot as the highest grossing film of of all time over Avengers Endgame and Avengers Endgame had a big boost because of the Chinese box office as well when it went on to run in 2019 so it's going to be very interesting to see how big of a market that's going to be for this film when it does come out later this month. So again, I think this is a great start for the film. And I said in my tweet, and I'll say it here again, never bet against the king. Steven Spielberg's the goat. He's the greatest filmmaker of all time. But James Cameron is the king. This guy knows how to make theatrical epics. And again, I'm just, I'm just saying this off of not seeing the film, but seeing the, re- the reactions, knowing the resume of James Cameron, what he's been able to do, and that his last two movies have been the highest grossing films of all time, Titanic and Avatar. And they've delivered 
on these epic experiences that people seem to love and people doubt them. Is this really what people want to see? Is this going to work? Do people need to see this kind of movie? And he just knows how to do it. And even though he has this bravado and people might not like the comments that he makes, there's a reason he makes them is because he delivers on results time and time and time again. And it's not just delivering on financial results. He delivers on experiences and he pushes the boundaries on what makes a great cinematic experience. So it seems like this is going to do it again. I can't wait to see this next week in IMAX 3D. It's going to be amazing. Hopefully from these reactions, it seems like it's going to be a great time all three hours. See, I cannot wait to see in all its glory. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear these reactions initial reactions at least for Avatar The Way of Water and what it could mean down the line for its box office projections and all that stuff. What do you guys think about this news for Avatar The Way of Water? Does this encourage you for maybe going to see the film? Does this kind of keep you in the middle? Does this not do anything for you? Were you kind of standing where you were in terms of your, of your anticipation? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And then moving on to another bit of movie news that I wanted to get into today and that is kind of moving on over to the streaming world and that has to do with HBO Max and to, or rather on Monday it was reported by CNBC that HBO Max because of its new acquisition with Warner Brothers Discovery is going to be having a new name title and because they're two kind of different brands it made sense that they would kind of want to change the name for this streaming service and so people have always kind of been throwing out different names what it could be is it going to have HBO and Discovery in there? Is it going to be maybe Discovery Max? Is it, What could the name of HBO Max change into? And it seems like it's going to be keeping at least one word from HBO Max, and it's not HBO. According to CNBC, it's being reported that Max is going to be the new name for the Warner Brothers Discovery streaming service. Now, when I first heard this, I was very intrigued by the, the name change because when you think of something like an HBO Max, right at the top of the uh, top of that list, HBO is such a premium. It's the premium, the, the the cream of the crop when it comes to television in terms of its its quality of production, the the shows that they make, the kind of content that they put out. There's nothing else quite like it. But the interesting thing I think moving forward with with what one. Brothers Discovery has is that they're kind of a a conglomerate of unscripted content, which is what Discovery is really good at doing, and then the great storytelling aspect that Warner Brothers has at their disposal. Again, even just with with HBO, with DC, a lot of the other movies that they kind of have involved, the franchises, Wizarding World with Harry Potter. That I, I think it's 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 interesting to have Max associated with that. And the big question is, when you just have Max on the name, are people going to know what? is in that streaming service. Like if you were to go on a Disney Plus app, you know that that's Disney content. And Disney consists of animation, kids content, Star Wars, Marvel. You go to Amazon, Amazon Prime, you know what, Amazon might not be more of an identity of what they have, but you know some of the shows that there are involved there. Netflix, you might have an idea of what they have, but in terms of main studio branding content, Peacock even, sure, they're not having great success, but you know the shows that they might be putting on there, whether 
whether it's again unscripted content like the real housewives or something along the lines of maybe law and order or the chicago series you know kind of the brand that comes along with with peacock a little bit when it comes to just saying max are people going to know that warner that that is warner brothers content that that includes hbo that includes dc and and also does that includes discovery because discovery is a big time company in a, in a big time studio and they, and they are when it comes to unscripted stuff reality tv they are amongst the best and they are amongst the top so i'm very curious to see what max could be involved with down the line if, if this is the name i think it's it's curious i don't think it's the right name but i, I think it's a general name and if they want to kind of go general and they allow people just to go and look it up and see what's there and it has all these choices maybe that's the way that they're going to go and the fact that maybe it's it's a more worldwide known entity and, and maybe you want to make it accessible to other markets I, I think that's very interesting to see where that could could go but what do you guys think about the change to the hbo max streaming service to just being titled max let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts and the final thing that i want to talk about on the podcast today and i kind of like to do this on wednesdays whenever i get a chance to and it's usually doing the weekend preview but since i didn't do it last week i thought i'd do it this week right now and that is going over the monthly preview of what is ahead in theaters and again this is the last month of 2022 it's been a great year for content both in theaters and on streaming and i'm very excited to see what happens in 2023 with the slate that they have coming up but there is still a lot of great stuff to look forward to in the last month of this year and it's not just avatar the way of water again usually around december this is where we get again the last couple of big blockbusters or some films that might surprise some people. And of course, the Oscar contenders that are going into kind of limited theaters or going wide for people to see and kind of getting that last late Oscar push before the nominations come out in about a month or so. So there's a lot of really cool stuff to to look forward to. And last week, actually, there was a film that I saw that came out that was kind of a good starting off point for the month of December, of course, with holidays and the Christmas time and, and Hanukkah. People are kind of getting into that mood. There is a film that you want to potentially go see in theaters. That would have to be Violet Night, which comes from Universal and the people from 87 North Productions, who, of course, were involved in the John Wick franchise. They're involved with Atomic Blonde. They made films such as Bullet Train and nobody and so they're kind of the action oriented production company that deals with all these kind of cool stunts and sequences that you see and they become a really big action production group as a whole and they make all these really enjoyable entertaining films and Violent Night is is exactly that it is basically David Harbour as Santa Claus being a a badass murder spree Santa basically saving a family from a hostage situation if I could describe it in one instance it's it's die hard but instead of john mcclain it, it's santa claus actually santa claus in that role instead so it's fun it's enjoyable if you wanted to wait until maybe this came out on vod streaming i could understand that as well it's not one that you have to see in theaters but one that i would definitely recommend checking out as well there's also a very interesting rom-com that played in limited theaters last week but is getting a water release this upcoming weekend and that is spoiler alert and it stars jim parsons 
and Ben Aldridge. It's directed by Michael Showalter, and it's basically about this this gay couple that get to kind of know each other, and it's very much kind of like the Big Sick, in which one of the one of the spouses gets cancer, and it's kind of about their relationship and their families and the meaning of life and love. And the trailers have looked enjoyable and fun and 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 witty, and it seems like these two have a really good kind of chemistry together. So if you're just looking for a fun rom-com to enjoy during the holidays, I think this one is right up the alley. I've heard really good things about the movie. It's been getting some really good buzz. So if you're looking for something enjoyable, maybe not, uh, it's going to be emotional, it sounds like, with the subject matter that it's dealing with, but it seems like it's very light and funny at the same time, tries to keep that balance, and that seems to be the the rom-com one to go to in theaters if you're looking for that one as well. And then going into this upcoming weekend, if you're looking for some Oscar films to get into, you have the new film from Sam Mendes called Empire of Light, which stars Academy Award winner Olivia Coleman, also Michael Ward. You also have Toby Jones and Colin Firth. And it's basically a love story that takes place in an English coastal cinema during the 1980s. And I think especially if you're an Oscar enthusiast, if you're somebody who just loves film in general, a lot of these directors over the years have been kind of making these love letters to cinema and to film. Spielberg just did it a few weeks ago or about a month ago. He released his kind of biography, biofilm, and his love to cinema and the Fablemans. It seems like Sam Mendes is doing just that and making a film that is for film lovers, but also tells a really interesting love story as well. And usually with Sam Mendes, he's usually in the Oscar conversation Oscar conversation excuse me usually his films have been getting praise and, and love and I, his last film that he did a few years ago in 1917 was an amazing experience in theaters it truly was a great war film and of course he did Skyfall back in 2012 and Spectre of course for the Bond franchise but I've heard okay things about this one this could potentially still be an Oscar contender but if you're looking for Oscar films to go see that's another one to check out Alongside The Whale, which stars the one and only Brandon Fraser in his comeback role after kind of being away from the Hollywood scene for a few years. He comes back in, in incredible fashion and is very much in the Oscar conversation to not just be nominated, but potentially win the Best Acting Award for his performance in The Whale. It also stars one of the breakouts of 2022 in Sadie Sink, who plays the daughter of Brendan Fraser's character. It is directed by the one and only Darren Aronofsky, who who, of course, has done films such as The Wrestler, Black Swan, Mother with Jennifer Lawrence. He's done a lot of these kind of movies. And the previews and marketing that I've seen for it have been really, really good. But it's this one's going to be about the word of mouth on the performances of these people who are in the movie. So again, if you're looking for some Oscar films to go see, those are two to definitely check out this upcoming weekend on the 9th. I kind of already went into it in detail already a lot on the top of the show. But Avatar, The Way of Water coming up next weekend, the big film of December, James Cameron, Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana's Sigourney Weaver coming back into this as well the the king of the box office is back i think people are already excited about this film so i'm not going to sell it any more than it's already kind of being being done on the marketing campaign right now but that is definitely one that i'm excited to check out i think a lot of people are as well one of the ones that actually 
what I'm surprised by, and it's been getting, somehow it's been getting rave reviews, and if you were to ask me this, I would have said you're out of your mind earlier in the year if I heard about this film. It's Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and it is a sequel to the first Puss in Boots film that came out years ago, and it's, of course, the character that was really became famous in the Shrek franchise, and I haven't really heard a lot about DreamWorks animation over the last couple years, but this is one that it got a, a, a preview, and it was like, oh, there's a new Puss in Boots film. That's cool, and it's got a, a really cool voice cast, Salma Hayek, Florence Pugh, who everyone knows on the podcast. I love Florence Pugh. Olivia Coleman is in this one as well, Ray Winstone. So it's got a great voice cast alongside it, but... I mean, the, the the reviews for this one have just been through the roof. Everyone has been raving about this film. It's getting Oscar buzz right now for being Best Animated Feature Potential Candidate. It's got a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I was really surprised to hear all the, the rave of this movie. And the, also the interesting thing about this film is that the animation style of this one is very different from not just the Shrek franchise, but also from what, you, from what DreamWorks was used to doing in their kind of of animation style and that basically I think comes from the acquisition that DreamWorks has had over the last couple of years. They've been pretty much kind of going through a transition and I think they're they're adapting to their new style and this very much feels in the same kind of vein as something like The Bad Guys, which came out earlier this year and that got really good reviews as well. It was a surprise hit early in 2022. So it seems like this one could be another breakout that does really well in animation. So I'm really curious to see how DreamWorks continues with this franchise, with this film, and see what it's able to do. And maybe it could be a surprise hit for 2022. And then really kind of the last big weekend of December is December 23rd, which is the weekend, Christmas weekend. And you got kind of the last big films coming out around that time. You, of course, have another potential Oscar-nominated or worthy film coming out that's been getting some reviews over the last couple months or really the last couple weeks with some buzz. That, of course, is the new Damien Chazelle film in Babylon, which stars Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Gene Smart, Tobey Maguire. It's basically a epic tale of telling the old Hollywood system when they were transitioning from silent films to talkies. And it seems like Damien Chazelle is mixing what he did with La La Land, with Great Gatsby kind of style and flair that seems like Baz Luhrmann-esque, mixed in with what the craziness of something like A Wolf of Wall Street. And it's all kind of blended together. The first trailer kind of blew me away and surprised me of what Damien Chazelle was doing. It's very much kind of, it's louder than anything he's really kind of done before with, even with La La Land and Whiplash and First Man. So this one, it's running over three hours long. It's been getting some good reviews, not great on the level what Damien has done in his early career, but this is one I'm still very excited about. It's Paramount's last big push after the great year that they've had this year with films like Top Gun Maverick, Scream, and so I'm very interested to see what that film is going to do. The one that is very much kind of a wild card to me that could maybe be a late, very late season contender, but also a potential box office hit like a Bohemian Rhapsody is I Want to Dance with Somebody, which stars Naomi Aki and Stanley Tucci. And it's basically the biofilm of the, the great legendary musical career of Whitney Houston. And the trailers have looked good. And Naomi Aki, who I'm very excited to see her kind of break out after first making her debut as an actor in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, taking on a film like this in a role 
role like this of an iconic just figure in Whitney Houston is, is a daunting, tall task. And there really hasn't been a lot, whole lot of buzz about this. There's been two trailers that have come out. There's been some ads here and there online, on TV, but not a lot of big buzz coming for this movie. So I'm curious if this is another kind of word of mouth, if reviews for this one are good, maybe not great, kind of like Bohemian, but you know the you know the context of the film that it's Whitney Houston it's her catalog of music and that could get people into the theater kind of like what Bohemian was able to do Uh, it could be a late bloomer in a way that maybe surprises a few people and and really gets butts in seats so that's one to really keep your eye out for and that one is coming out on December 23rd of the end of this year and then the other one to look out for on December 23rd you have Women Talking which is another potential Oscar film it was written directed by Sarah Polly it stars Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Francis McDermott, Ben Winshaw, and then another film that is coming out on December 30th, a few days before 2023 kicks into gear, is a film that just got some really recent good buzz that the trailers have looked okay. It looked like more of a family film than a potential awards-friendly movie. And that is A Man from Otto, which stars the one and only Tom Hanks, everyone's favorite uncle, and Mark Foster is the director for that one. And it, lo- it it's looked fun and enjoyable from the trailers, but it, it didn't seem like anything else. But apparently Apparently, people were moved to tears by this film. They laughed. They cried. They It, it was heartwarming, heartbreaking, emotional. I, I couldn't believe it when I was hearing some of those reactions. But apparently, the man called Otto is one to look out for for this Oscar season. And that's pretty much it when it comes to the rest of, of December. Those are the big ones to really kind of keep your eyes out for. And, and I think it's a great mix of great films to keep everyone entertained for the last month of 2022. And even though Avatar The Way of Water is the big film of this year, it's 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 a film that I think will do obviously do really, really well. But I think a lot of these other films afterwards in those last two weeks of the year could maybe steal a little bit of, of Avatar's thunder, just a little bit, and I think do very, very well for themselves as well. So I think there's a great mix of films to go see, big blockbusters, some wild cards, some Oscar contenders potentially. There's a lot of great stuff to check out to close out 2022. Which films are you guys excited to see as the month of December rolls on and we close out the new the year before transitioning over to the new year let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts and with that down that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell podcast once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in be sure to check out my channel for more content you can check me out on Spotify Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio Public SoundCloud and much more also make sure to tune in on to the ambiguous podcast solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here such as you mad bro the number one source see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis also make sure to check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations return on investment and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services also make sure to check out the daily grind a weekly motivational podcast with kelly johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals also along the way make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions such as wrestle attic radio fretzelmania podcast and midnight showing you can check these out and so much more on the website ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com also on facebook and twitter at real ambiguous and if you want to check out canopy treehouse use the coupon code ambiguous also when you get a chance make sure to follow me on social media you can find me on twitter at Bissell samuel that's b-u-s-s-e-l-l-s-a-m-u-e-l and also on facebook at sam Bissell. once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in and until next time keep on screening